Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 128. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Enterprise's second season episodes, Future Tense, Canamar, and The Crossing. Here we go. Future Tense, Season 2, Episode 16, Production Number 216. Original air date, February 19th, 2003. Directed by James Whitmore Jr., written by Mike Sussman and Philip Phyllis Strong, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest and Colin Douglas as Solibon Soldier. When the Enterprise crew discovers a mysterious vessel adrift in space, Captain Archer orders it brought aboard for further investigation. Inside the craft, the crew is shocked to find what is apparently a human body, charred beyond recognition. Tripp and Reed close look at the interior of the ship and discover that, is it, that it is much more spacious than it appears. They also discover a black box device within the depths of the ship and prepare to bring it up to the engineering for more research. You have something that belongs to us. I don't believe I've had the pleasure. We have a salvage claim on the vessel in your launch bay. One of our cell ships discovered it three days ago. We were sent to retrieve it. That ship's an Earth vessel. The pilot's human. I'm not interested in the corpse. Future tense. I like this episode. I, I enjoy it. You know, it's um, it's one of those where even after the mystery is it starts to get solved there's still enough mystery to keep it going and it's interesting and it's kind of fun you know if you if you're going to do this temporal cold war stuff which i mean i'm never really the biggest fan of i mean you know, this is the fun kind of way to do it um it's not the most amazing episode ever it's probably my favorite of the three we're going to talk about today but uh it does have a couple of those of those those moments where you like that that's cool <laughs> You know, the ship being bigger on the inside than the outside, for example. You know, and, and, and it's different than uh, anything I remember seeing in Star Trek. I feel like I've seen it maybe in, in another show or two over the years, but it's something that I haven't really seen in Star Trek. Um, so it, it's, um, it's, it's an oddly unique episode considering it's just about the most throwaway of all the Cold War, temporal Cold War episodes. You know, it's the one that you could not watch and it wouldn't affect the temporal Cold War story pretty much at all. Um, yet it's the one of the more, if not the most interesting of them uh, and unique of them. Uh, what are some of your guys' first thoughts on Future Tense? Um, I'm entertaining episode. It's probably the best of the three that we're going to talk about today. Um yeah, there's you know the mystery of um, who who's the ship belongs to, where it came from, um, the interior of the ship. Um, it's all kind of neat stuff. Um, everybody wanting their hands on it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a fun episode. Um, it's very well paced and entertaining. Yeah, I agree with what's been said. It's it is um, not key to understanding the arc of the temporal core, but it it does it is, does work well as a standalone episode, and I think it's also good because it's there's a they just keep an element of mystery involved. A lot of these uh, temporal core episodes, by their nature, they have to they get a little uh, 
dialogue heavy and they have to explain a lot of stuff and that gets tiresome and this one they not so much going on with that i mean obviously we already have the backstory of the temporal cold war to base it on but it's it is kind of a mystery left in the end okay this you know there was somebody from the future and this crap from the future and they took it away once you know there's that's it you know so it's and it is well paced and and well balanced i like that um even though, yes, they go back to the well of Daniel's stuff, mm-hmm. it really – it's only used to kind of confirm their hypothesis that it is, in fact, from the future. It doesn't really give them any answers or anything. But it's not a crux. It's mm-hmm. not any kind of right. a narrative crux in the episode like I've felt before. Um, so in that sense, I, I don't mind it at all. And then I also like how at the very end, um, you know, they don't – you don't have um, – some future ship show up and contact everybody on the view screen says, Hey guys, how's it going? That's our stuff. Bye. There's nothing like that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just all of a sudden goes away and then the Tholians are scared and bug out, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I like that. Uh, and, and, you know, yeah, it's pretty clear that it had something to do with, uh, trip getting that distress beacon to work or whatever, but you know, it doesn't feel like it has to, uh, wrap it up in such a perfect bow, and I I like that too. Um, I always remember how oddly exciting it was to see the Tholians, even mm-hmm. though we kind of don't see the Tholians, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just but, their ship. Yeah, that was like wow. You know, I was like, there was a. I remember consciously thinking something like, I never thought about this before, but why isn't Enterprise doing this all the time? <laughs> you know, and then of course that's what we end up getting by season four. Uh, with the Manicoto run, but um, yeah, it's fun, and it's fun to see the Tholians kind of blast the Sula, the Sulaban, and um, it's fun. You know, um, I will kind of the one thing I'll kind of question is, and 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 who knows? You know, so far I've already seen my my memories of Enterprise do seem to differ uh, from the reality of the show now that we're going through it for the first time for me in many years. Um, but my memory of season three, which we will be at in a couple months, is um, like angry Archer not listening to anybody, especially to Paul. Uh, and that, that kind of got old after a while. And again, maybe that's not what I'm going to actually find when we get there. But there was a tiny bit in this in this episode. It was just the tiniest little thing, you know, where T'Pol says, we need to destroy this ship. And um, whether her reasons were right or wrong for wanting to do that, it proved to be, you know, probably would have been the wisest thing to do. Uh, and at the end, in the end, Archer says he's sorry about what happened to the Vulcan ship and all, but there, he doesn't have anything in there about, I'm sorry, I didn't listen to my first officer. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I guess I would have liked just one little bit in there to kind of relieve that for me that sense of he's ignoring her and that's that kind of takes away from her character whenever she can't whenever she's um kind of impotent because he doesn't allow her to do her job i guess i don't know i mean maybe i'm reaching there but it's it's just the tiniest thing and it and it was it was more like reminded me of more serious uh, in, uh situations with that so even if this wasn't one of those, it certainly reminded me of things that where that happens and it bothers me more. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you guys, is there anything to that? Am I being too picky here? No, I, I, I kind of periodically get tired of his kind of pig-headedness, generally yeah. speaking. Um, so it's more of an archer thing, not necessarily an archer not listening to to Paul for specifically thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of repetitive. I think he gets that way in um, the last episode we're going to talk about. Just, you know, just I don't know. Sometimes I think he gets a little bit angry for no reason. I kind of feel that way. It's kind of like, where where's this kind of hostility coming from? So I think that's kind of maybe at least for me that's where sometimes it's like why what what's the motivation behind that kind of the the anger and the it'd just... have been it have been helpful if like at the end of the series if they would have said something like that he suffered from hemorrhoids or something you know so we can have some <laughs> yeah. kind of explanation to all these things maybe it turns out he's he's allergic to dogs hmm could be yeah. so yeah. his fault the whole time actually mm. yeah um I like that uh, once again. Paul proves that she is the funniest person on board. Yeah. <laughs> Her line at the very, very end is, is like laugh out loud funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when Archer asks her if, I uh, wonder if the Vulcan Science Academy will believe humans and Vulcans will mate one day, and her response is they're more likely to believe in time travel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that line, she, she she's only saying that. It's, it's supposed to be funny. Like, why else would you just say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she's pretty funny. Um, hmm. Was there any, any particular scene that you guys liked in this one? There's a lot of action in this, actually, for a you know for a not season cliffhanger or something. I wonder if this was sweeps. No, we're closer to halfway through, aren't we? I don't know. But uh, was there any particular scene or anything that you thought, wow, that was really cool or different, or you really like that? Something kind of just nothing to do with much with anything else. I do like uh, flocks in the uh, mess hall when he's eating, and I don't even remember what the nature of it is, but he's just talking about how, you know, because he's just kind of like open to anything, you know. He's talking about how it's him and T'Pol talking, right? And uh, yes, yeah, they're just just chatting it up. And of course, the two best characters, in my opinion, or whatever, anyway, but they, um, uh, you know, he's just so easygoing. You just hate thing. humans, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know why I like that. He's just—he's got a, tons of food in front of him. You know, he just loves life anyway. You know, and he's just open to anything. And yeah, well, his his line there is, uh, "I prefer to embrace surprises." Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good scene. It's just got those little candid moments when they're not actually doing their job. They're just kind of socializing. They're fun. They're good moments. What about you, Adam? Um, favorite scene. Um. I don't know if there's like a favorite. Like it's, it's there's a, the action's cool. There's like the little moments you you mentioned the the Paul thing at the end that was amusing. Um, there's a lot of good little things in this episode. And, you know, I think we can all kind of agree this is a a solid, very entertaining episode. Some uh, fun references there to Zeph from Cochrane and what I assume is you know original series Metamorphosis, where we actually do find Zephram, but. Uh, so I guess if you know your Star Trek, you know when he's positing that it's Seth from Cochrane, you're like, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> not <laughs> um, So, yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed this episode. To me, this would be one that I would definitely not skip if I was watching highlights of the season. I like it. I enjoy it. Um, well, I... 
hate to wrap up one that we liked quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Didn't we mention that last week? We seem to talk longer about episodes we don't like. I know. That's <laughs> not, where's the logic in that? Uh, I like the mystery of the corpse uh, having several generations of interspecies breeding. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what's this episode about? I had a hard time trying to figure out what it was, what it was trying to say, because it's kind of an entertaining episode. It's obviously in the arc of the temporal Cold War, so it kind of fits into that. Um, I couldn't really quite figure out what it was trying to say. Steve, what do you got for what uh, it's about? Yeah, um, I, I had trouble with that too. Um, it, I, I did enjoy the episode, um, but. Um, Gosh, I, I I don't I don't really have much on that. All right, let's do six degrees. Adam, are you going first or second? Mm, I guess I'll go first. This is the first time. Oh yeah, obviously there were no guest stars in this episode. Actually, there was one, but he didn't. He never came back. So we're just doing generic quest trivia questions. Not so much our traditional six degrees inquiry. Uh, Adam, this is the first time we've seen Tholians in a while. Name the original series, season three episode they debuted in. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you one ahead. hint if you need it. Sure. Tholian is in the title. <laughs> um, Tholians? Uh, no. Steve? Tholian Webb? You're correct. The Tholian Web. Steve, this episode's script originally had a different ship appearing instead of the time ship. The original ship in, uh, in the script was going to be a Federation starship, not the Enterprise, that happened to appear in the aforementioned Tholian Web episode of the original series. This same ship will later appear in the Mirror Universe episodes of Enterprise. Name the ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's um, the Defiant. You're correct. The USS Defiant. Steve has two. Adam has none. Moving on. Canamar, Season 2, Episode 17, Production Number 217. Original air date, February 26, 2003. Directed by James Whitmore, Jr., written by Alan Croker, music composed by Brian Tyler. Guest cast include Mark Rolston as Corota Loren, Holmes Osborne as Anolian official, Michael McGrady as Nausicaan prisoner, Sean Whalen as Zumas, Brian Mori as Anolian guard, and John Hansen as prisoner. <laughs> Upon leaving the Anolian homeworld, Archer and Tripp are mistakenly identified as smugglers and arrested. The two men are placed on a prison transport headed for the penal colony known as Kinamar. Back on Enterprise, DePaul manages to convince an Anolian officer that Archer and Tripp are innocent, and he arranges for their safe return. Just as Archer and Tripp are about to be set free, however, Kolnada, a fellow prisoner, breaks free and with the help of a Nausicaan, take the ship. I don't know what you've got in mind, but I'm involved now. I don't want to go to Canamar any more than you do. If we run into trouble, my partner could help. What is that? Subspace transceiver. I hope you're not trying to send a message. I'm taking it offline. It leaves a subspace signature. Even when it's not transmitting, someone could track us. I think I figured out what kind of holds this episode back for me. Um, About... I don't know, halfway in or something. Uh, I already forgot his name. What's the main prisoner's name? Kuroda. Kuroda. Uh, about halfway through the episode, Kuroda tells Archer a story about how he basically, you know, the first time he was ever arrested, he actually was innocent. 
and then he learned to be a criminal in prison. So kind of this this sense, this story about how the system really created him. And, you know, this is to give Archer a bit of empathy for him and us, the audience, a little bit of empathy for him. You know, and 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 at the end when he's like, you know, I won't I won't go back, you know, and he you know, he's gonna let himself die, obviously. Uh that's pretty much completely ruined by the fact that he plans to kill every person on board that vessel to hide his escape. <laughs> you know, that these two things just there's no connection. So because of that, I mean, who would possibly feel, you know, I mean, at that point, no, of course not. No, a thousand yeah, times. So I don't, I don't, I don't care. I do not care. Um, I never, uh, obviously it, it's a Star Trek show. I'm never really worried about Archer or Trip uh, being in any real jeopardy. And I don't care about this other guy because he's planning to be a mass murderer, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that, uh, it kind of breaks the episode in half. From- yeah, I think I think what's uh, interesting about this episode is that it's it's kind of a lost opportunity because that notion of of someone basically the system creating them and otherwise they weren't a criminal and it's you know it's it's a it's a relevant topic nowadays. I mean, a lot of people talk about our failed justice system and how. Um, you know, because of the just, you know, there's there's so many problems, people get caught up in it and they're stuck. And no matter how minor the crime, no matter what the incident, it's kind of like in a way this episode is like not so great going on great. You know, it, it, if, if they would have focused on that and then made the character more someone you could someone you could feel for, like you said, you know, if he's going to say, oh, I'm going to kill everybody and I'm going to kill you, Archer, and we're going to take all this whole thing down. It's too far. You know, if if. If it had been more like a victim, and I'm caught up in this because I just don't want to go back to prison, and and you didn't have that kind of mentality, you might have a very different story, and it might have been a much better episode. Yeah, that that would have been interesting. Yeah, um, that would have maybe even given could have could have given us some insight into Archer to see how he responds to this concept of um, the empathetic criminal, mm-hmm. but. Archer's not going to have empathy for a mass murderer. <laughs> right, right. You know? Um, yeah, he tried to save him, but guess what he didn't do, folks? <laughs> he turned around and left when it was really his skin or not, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah he didn't. <laughs> He's like, no, really, we got to go. All right, let's go. See ya. <laughs> so what about comedy relief there, gummy worms hanging off his chin? What do you think about him? <laughs> uh it, so it did say uh, what those really were. They were apparently um, somewhere I saw this um, uh, fishing lures. <laughs> that yeah. I can believe. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if people fishing ever accidentally, you know, like if they bring some gummy worms as a snack, you know, and they mix up or something. Because yeah, they like gummy worms. I mean, it's so close. Well, I was just more like thinking if that if that guy had been with you and you went fishing, mm. you'd catch more. Yeah, yeah. They'd just be leaping right in your boat. Cause yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, after, well, after he talked... Him, no, I'd be telling him, hey, can you see that in the water? No, a little bit closer. <laughs> a little bit closer. Yeah, you'd just be shoving bit. his face into the water. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, we're desperate here. Uh, yeah, so this episode, it feels like, like, honestly, this episode, they could have made it this entire episode could have been like the pre-credits teaser if they wanted it to. Like this, the story that happens in this episode, it could have been that short, you know. 
Um, I don't. I don't think Archer's very good at faking being a criminal. I'm a smuggler. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I imagine. I picture uh, uh, Picard as uh, Galen, or you know, I think Picard was pretty good at it. I think Riker was awesome at it. Um, Archer, not so much. I like him, but he's maybe a little bit too much of a Boy Scout uh, to pull that off. Right. Maybe. Right. Well, when the guy says he's going to murder everybody. When the guy says he's going to murder everybody and Archer's like, uh, no, I don't think we should murder everybody. What if we did something besides that? I don't know. They didn't give it. Well, to be fair to Archer, they didn't really give it. There wasn't much leeway in the story. I mean, you know, it was pretty, um, you know, this is the way we're going to do it. You know, whereas, you know, when Picard was playing Galen, there was a lot of minutia and, you know, tip or tat. This was pretty much straightforward. I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about, though. Is, 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 there's no shades of gray here. You know, yeah, I got this story about how the system created me, but I'm a mass murderer now. So mm-hmm. who cares, really, mm-hmm. how I was created? Um, it's, it stops mattering. Um, there's, it's just black or white. You know, that there is no gray. Yeah. Um, and, and gray is where the interesting bits are, and this episode doesn't really have it. Um, so this episode. This is not a terrible episode. It's not like Precious Cargo, um, which I've been thinking about lately, and it, I, might, <laughs> I, I still think about it. I think it, I might dislike it more than maybe I said that, but I've been thinking about it since then, and I think <laughs> I might dislike it more than any episode of Star Trek ever made. I really think that's true. Um, but it's not like that, you know. It's it's just it's just um, um, it's so. Uh, kind of forgettable and you know it's only not good because it's it's so not bad yeah it's a filler episode it's so you know i I was joking i don't i don't think i recorded that i think that was before we started recording but i was joking that i think i took less notes for this episode than maybe any other episode we've ever uh talked about (laughs) Mm. i have just a few sentences when and usually i have more than i can fit on a page at one time i have to scroll through my notes while we're talking um because i'm a verbose guy much like uh trip's seatmate but i didn't write very much down here you know you don't have fishing lures hanging off your chin yeah that's true i do not have fishing lures hanging off my chin um so you know hey i like that we got to see to paul um kind of in command for a little bit Mm mm-hmm uh, obviously, we don't see it, but she was obviously the one who was, came up with the idea and was smart and clever to infiltrate that rendezvous ship. Because mm-hmm. we kind of saw just from the look on her face, good performance, yeah. We knew that's what she was thinking later. Uh, so that was cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, this episode just has very little to actually talk about, except for that thing that bothers me, which is... Um, it's just it's it's kind of confused in itself in the way that it wants to portray these characters and 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 like you said Steve it misses the opportunity to do something interesting and you know provide ask us an interesting question yeah um speaking of which what's this episode about i just have the kind of it's trying to be about thing, kind of like where we were going. And I think it may be trying to do 
you know, sometimes people are a product of their environments and just a series of events bring someone, but it, it, it just doesn't, there's not enough on that. You know, it, it like we said, it, the, we can't empathize with this character. We end up hating him. And, and so it kind of takes away the notion of just circumstances making someone do desperate things, you know, cause it's just too extreme. Caesar. Yeah. I kind of had the same thing. The institutionalization of, a person turns them into a criminal. Um, Start over? Well, I said the institutionalization of a person, you know, can turn them into a criminal. Um, that kind of thing. You know, they're kind of talking about that message in there. He where he talks about he was arrested and then he used his skills to become a criminal. Just kind of how that happens. That actually happens in our society. People go, they just kind of keep going through the loop. But, you know, it's kind of a stretch because, like I said, there's not a lot there with that character and there's not a lot to emphasize with him. All right. Let's do six degrees for Kenmore. Uh, let's see. Adam went first last time. So, Steve? Yep. Mark Ralston plays Karada, Archer's partner in crime that decides he definitely doesn't want to return to prison. In Next Gen's seventh season in the episode Eye of the Beholder, he played Lieutenant Walter Pierce in Troy's flashback sequences. Why was Troy able to see his memories in the Nacelle tube bulkhead? Mm. What was it about? He he um was yeah he was part of he was partially of a race that's telepathic and he left some kind of residual or something. I will give that to you. Yes, he was part Beta Z. Mm. Beta Zoid. And he left empathic traces in the bulkhead. All right, Steve 3. Uh, Adam, we'll next see Ralston as the Klingon Mach in Enterprise's fourth season in the third of a three-episode arc. This episode is named after the genetically altered Klingons. The Doctor soon oversees. Name the episode, uh, which is also the name of the dudes. No clue. Sorry. No clue. No clue. Uh, Steve? Mm, I vaguely remember this, but gosh. Oh, shoot. It's on the tip of my tongue, one of these kind of things. Um, it's not coming to me. The Augments. Ah, yes. Yep. All right. Uh, Steve has three. Moving on. The Crossing, Season 2, Episode 18, Production Number 218, Original Air Date, April 2nd, 2003, Directed by David Livingston, Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Andre Bormanis, Teleplay by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, Music Composed by Paul Belergian. Guest cast include Joseph Will as crewman Michael Rostov, Stephen Alaric as Ensign Cook, Alexander Chance as crewman, Matthew Kaminsky as crewman Cunningham, and Valerie Ianiello as crew member. <laughs> Enterprise encounters a large, otherworldly vessel, unlike any the crew before. They try to make contact with it, but to no avail. Suddenly, a large portal opens, and the ship swallows Enterprise, rendering its weapons and engines useless. Luckily, life support is still operational, and Archer, Trip, and Reed take a shuttlecraft into the cavernous ship for further exploration. Although there doesn't seem to be any immediate threat to Enterprise, Trip is suddenly attacked by a colorful wisp of smoke that seems to invade his body for a few seconds before releasing him. Their ship is deteriorating, and they have no way to repair it. They can't survive in space. So they are doing this to save themselves? 82 of them are. 
One for every crewman on Enterprise. How many of them are there? Hundreds. The rest will try to find another vessel of corporeal beings. The Crossing. Here's another one of those where, you know, some of my sentences out of context are, are odd. Uh, Trip has blue-orange wisp swap, goes to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> or... Um, <laughs> here's one you don't write every day. Archer sends flocks to gas everybody. Flocks <laughs> and Trip get in brief fist fight before flocks kills him with gas. In, and then in parentheses, parentheses, I wrote too much Mexican food? Question <laughs> mark. Yeah. So, I, enjoy, I, I enjoyed the Hoshi um, flocks fight better. <laughs> oh yeah, that was nice. kicking and crazy and carrying on. Yeah. See, this is that's how you know you're watching it t- in a television episode because Flox has like a weapon, right? Yeah. And he's got some kind of tricorder that he's checking her out. Once he realizes there's something that there's nothing wrong with her, and then he knows, you know, she's trying to trick him. Shoot her. Normally, <laughs> what you would do is fire the weapon, right? You would stun her or whatever. But instead, he has to say out loud for for us audience folk watching the episode. Hey, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> right. Well, and with this much yeah. craziness going on, I'd walk in there and shoot her to begin with. I mean, it's getting, it's just too much, too crazy, you know? Something else I wrote down was Reed shows that he failed sexual harassment classes. <laughs> <laughs> that was so kooky, that stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that's when this episode went real south for me. <laughs> um, you know, it's this episode, I mean, it's got some interesting things in it. I like to Paul like outminding the wisps or whatever right. outbraining them i don't know what you'd say there you know but i i kind of like that um uh somehow that was that was kind of cool um we just see her like standing there and then she's all of a sudden nope they're trying to trick us <laughs> um but it was one of those things where it kind of made me think about cuz like at the beginning they get sucked into that they're eaten by that sh- whatever it is. I don't know. And um, she tells, DePaul tells Archer, um, this all could be an innocent or something. You know, they could be just really interesting, interested explorers, whatever. And, you know, and Archer's like, well, no, there's something fishy. <sighs> but I remember See, thinking, right. I remember thinking, yeah, there's something fishy, you know. But it's like, what? Um, how about doing something that I'm not expecting and something that the show hasn't really done? And show me, you know, mm-hmm. show me the, show me um, Archer's paranoia fail him, you know? Yeah. So this episode kind of reminds me of that next gen episode where O'Brien's is. You know, they're, you know, the penal colony when they're invaded and, you know, that's a much more interesting episode than this one was. Um, you remember the wisps that invaded um, O'Brien and Troy and they, you know, and they were yeah. held up on um, 10 forward. That's what this episode kind of reminded me about, um, reminded me about. But um, the next gen episode was much more interesting. I kind of felt like why I don't quite understand why they had to go with like they're trying to take over the ship and take over all your bodies. I thought it would have been a much more interesting episode about exploration of a different being, you know. I like 
the trip where you know he's eating all that food and he's talking to the captain he's like open your mind you're an explorer and i, I was like okay this, i kind of like where this episode's going and because i don't remember this episode that came out and then it flips you, yeah and then it flips you, and it's you just see Reed oh, is sexually, yeah. sexually harassing to paul and it's just like ugh. Um, i've seen this episode a hundred times and this one's not very good so i like the first half of this episode and then it just gets really bad for me yeah um uh, so for me, yeah. it was kind of a missed opportunity to kind of do something unique on explore. You know, it would have been cool to kind of see where they were taking them. You know, you talk, you see um, Trip talking about where he was on the, all these different areas and stuff like that. Just I don't know. I thought that would have been a cooler episode to kind of kind of like a first contact with the species instead of um, them being antagonists and trying to take over the ship. And uh, on a side note, I don't understand how you know remember when they pushed them out of the ship and they said they can't survive in open space. How they were getting to Enterprise? Well, they must have all just hopped on board while it was still inside the. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. If you're going to take over a ship, just do it. Don't do it piece by piece. <laughs> yeah, it's fortunate they can't just jump people fast and stuff, or they would have been toast. You know. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, Steve, Adam, I think you guys are interesting. You, you guys have gender. You have food. No, that's interesting. <laughs> um, so that was the first half of, half of the episode. Yeah, I like the little FX save there when when Reed gets his wisp. The camera's like on his feet. Yeah, <laughs> we just have the sound effect, and it pans up like, oh, there's a wisp in his head. It's <laughs> good. Um, we assume it went to his head. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this episode, you know, okay, let, let me be serious. Let me be frank. Um, if there was no Star Trek before this episode, it would have been fine. I think, like you mentioned, Adam, that we've seen this sort of thing maybe one too many times in Trek. Because um, we can certainly come up with other examples uh, beyond that next-gen one you referenced. Um, so we've seen this sort of thing plenty of times before. Um, so it definitely doesn't feel original at all. And then on top of that, you've got, you know, you've got stuff that makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, the, the crew, for example, trying to look a little bit blank in the face or whatever. And, and I think that you pulled that off in early next gen in a way that it's harder to do by the time you get here to, to enterprise. Um, it, it feels a little cheesy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, you've got bits like I was just joking about, you know, you're interesting. You have gender and food. We were once like you, my God, we've, we've heard that we were once like you kind of bits a million times. It's the original series. Back in the original series, oh, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the the uncomfortable read um, sexual harassment scene. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, we've seen a lot of this stuff before and then half the time it feels like we've seen it before and then the other half the time maybe it's even just a little bit cheesy. But I'm not completely opposed to the concept because we got to wait till we get there. But my memory of this series is that my all time, that my favorite episode of all four seasons was in late fourth season episode called observer effect uh and in that one you had people taken over but it wasn't it wasn't the same you know there was still a lot of mystery around it people they weren't talking 
like this. They were talking to each other, and it, they were observing humans. Um, and you, I don't think it had wisps either. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's not that it's completely out of the question to do this sort of thing. And it's certainly not out of the question to do something that we've seen Trek do before. Um, it's just that in this hour, it feels uh, cheesy and redundant. Um, I'd still probably rather watch The Crossing um, than Kenamar. Um Well, The Crossing, everybody has something to do. It's a very much a um, full – everybody's got something to do in this episode. That's kind of the nice thing about it. Everybody's involved in the episode. We could see the catwalk again. I guess they had to utilize that set one more time. Well, that was that was kind of neat. It was a little bit Star Trek kind of like Trek – Trekker canony kind of stuff where okay we'll see they they already uh, in a couple episodes back they added this ability to control the ship from the catwalk that's not like a normal thing you know um, and it makes you think about we know and in, in on future enterprises that that's going to be a standard thing is the ability to control the ship somewhere besides the uh, bridge mm-hmm. it's so like I mean, their battle bridge yeah kind of yeah so that's cool um, um now, if only the wisps had been attacking them while they were going through that expanse or whatever it was that made them have to go up into the catwalk, they could have killed two birds with one stone. Mm. <laughs> but it didn't work out that way. Uh, what's this episode about? It's about crossing. Mm-hmm. It's never as good as you think it's going to be. It's never be, as good be, as you think. Be, be suspicious of ghostly wisps. Yes, be suspicious of ghostly wisps. Uh, Steve, do you have anything for what it's about? No, not really. I mean, it's kind of, if, it, if it's about anything, it's kind of a negative take, really. It's, you know, be, sus- yeah, be suspicious of things that are different, and they might take over and try to, you know, snatch your body. I mean, I don't know. There's nothing. Yeah, it, 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 this, this episode is about Itik is bad. <laughs> Diversity. We don't like that. No. Okay. All right. So by the you know standards of our show, we don't have a lot for what this episode is about. You know, that keeps it from holding up as well as some others, you know. Um so I mean this episode is okay. It's not terrible. And and I sometimes I feel like I'm saying that a lot. <laughs> uh but Hey, folks, I tell you when, when I think something's terrible. <laughs> Precious cargo. <laughs> you know, this isn't terrible. This is just not great. Um, but the, the first one we talked about today, uh, Future Tense, is uh, it's pretty good. Pretty fun. Yeah. We had but some good episodes in our Kenmar, Not so much. All right, let's, let's do six degrees for the crossing. Uh, Steve has three. Um, all right. Adam? Yes. Joseph Will plays crewman Michael Rostov, Tripp's engineering assistant who takes his job less seriously when he's being controlled by a non-corporeal entity. We first saw Rostov when he was linked telepathically with other members of Enterprise's crew when they were all covered in (laughs) white, slimy stuff in the episode Vox Sola. Name two of the people that were slimed with him. Um, Archer and Trip. You are correct. Uh, Steve Will also played the sh- 
chief security officer in the Star Trek experience ride that included Voyager and the Borg. Name that ride. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Borg experience? No. Mm. Adam? Um... Borg Encounter. No, Borg Invasion 4D. Mm. Okay. I would have taken Borg Invasion. Yeah. All right. Borg Invasion. Uh, and if you were wondering, the I believe the original ride there, the one with the Enterprise D, was called um, Klingon Encounter. Oh, okay. All right. Um, we're having a little bit of a problem with... Um, Mr. Caesar through Skype today. Hopefully he technical sounds all right. Issues. Yeah, um, technical issues. But uh, we have to spend a couple of minutes talking about the nutty nutties out of the blue news that came last week. Uh, let me tell you. So uh, all three of us were, you know, pretty glued to uh, baseball, and we've been talking about it for a while. And the beloved Royals won the World Series. That was at like. Got midnight or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, um, a few hours later, there was this press release from CBS about a new Star Trek series. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, <laughs> I was still, like, you know, in the clouds from uh, that Royals game. And then that happened. And I, it was weird. It was like, but I'm not done being excited about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> it really felt weird. Like, I, I was, I couldn't, each one required such a level of excitement and I couldn't split myself enough for it, you know? So I kind of almost had to like, just, okay, wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait <laughs> on the Star Trek show. But anyway, people, it happened. Um, you know, by the time our podcast post, it will have been like 10 days uh, since that announcement, but the, I'm, just, I'm sure everybody and their mother knows it very, very, very well. But for, for future generations wondering what I'm talking about, the gist of it is, uh, CBS says they're going to do a new Star Trek show that's going to premiere January 2017. Alex Kurtzman, one of the co-writers of the first two J.J. movies, uh, is going to be the producer, although it sounds like not the actual showrunner, but I can't tell exactly. Um, and it's going to debut the first one or two episodes on CBS television, but then after that, it's going to be exclusively available on CBS's streaming service, which costs like $6 a month. Um, and then the only other thing we know about it is that it's going to, probably the most important thing, uh, is that it will be new characters and, uh, exploring new things. So it's not a remake. It's not a reboot. What we do not know is a much longer list. (laughs) It, we don't know if it's going to be in the prime universe or the JJ verse, um, you know, the, the latter is certainly a significant possibility given it's Kurtzman. Um, it's funny to me that they picked him. Uh, well, we, you know, if you've been following behind the scenes, we know Ortsy, the other writer of the JJ movies, he was originally going to write and direct the new movie, Star Trek. Well, now it's being called Star Trek Beyond that comes out summer of 2016. Um, but there was some kind of big falling out or something. So maybe it's not funny, not weird that they didn't end up picking him. But um, it's just weird that they went with Kurtzman, considering he was the guy that knew nothing about Star Trek, and, and Orsi was the Star Trek fanatic. 
is the Star Trek fanatic, you know, or she knows Star Trek. Kurtzman does not. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's it's notable, you know, that the not Star Trek guy is the one that's that's going to be heading up the new show. Um, I'm not sure we can ever have said that before. You know, even next gen, you know, it was Gene that that you know kind of created that show, and Berman took over. You know, Berman certainly knew his Star Trek by the time he started creating the other shows. Uh, and, you know, you could say that about the other, his co-creators on the other shows. Um, so, the other weird thing, you know, of course, is this whole concept of uh, distribution. And I'm totally monopolized in conversation. So, um, you guys, what are some of your first thoughts what did you What did you think? Were Were you as, as surprised as I was? I mean, I had no idea. Adam, you texted me like, "Is this for real?" You thought You thought it was a joke or something, right? Oh yeah, we've seen so many, um, you know, hit and misses. You know, like, oh, they're going to come up with something and it's not really for real. Um, so that's why I asked just to make sure. Um, I am a little worried, like the distribution. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get to see it because I don't really care to sign up for CBS subscription. So that's kind of one thing I'm not a big fan of. I think, it, yeah, I think it's uh, as far as surprise. I don't know what I. I think I'm. I was too. I'm in the heart of things here with the Royals. So the whole thing was all just kind of hitting me all at once, you know. Like you said, but uh, as far as how surprised I was about this, but um, certainly excited. And the the whole the distribution thing is interesting. And and, and frankly, the thing is, is that. This is like the only thing that would get me to yep. subscribe to a single <laughs> network's thing. You know, I mean, they, I mean, frankly, I don't know what they could say for the price, but it'd be way more than six dollars a month for me to do that. But it's just because of this, and I have to wonder. And granted, this is over a year away, and obviously, there's a lot of movement towards streaming. But when you're, it's not like it's, it's something that's just free with through various you know, channels in streaming, you know, like, oh, you have an Apple TV or you have, um, you, or you have any, any of these devices or whatever lets you stream internet and you can get it through something. No, you've got to subscribe $6 a month. I, I, I wonder, I mean, obviously they've done their studies. I mean, they've got to have done their research and determine this makes some sense, but it's certainly going to, there's certain demographics that are, uh, you know, they're going to be, uh, limited potentially in, in well, be on board of this. See that interview I think he was a shareholder caller, something like that. What's his name? Leslie Moonvis, the the mm-hmm. guy that runs, um, well, more than even more than CBS. But and yeah, and he was talking about um, a lot went into this decision about this distribution model, and that all the older Star Trek shows, they're uh, on all the streaming services. You know, they're through the roof. It's the most. You know, it's it. That's where everybody's watching. A lot of Star Trek. Um, I think everything's still on Netflix, I believe, but it's definitely on CBS's streaming show. And this new show is not going to be anywhere else. It's not going to be on Netflix too. It's just going to be on on the CBS streaming yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that was their biggest thing about it. They really want to. They want the world to be aware of this service, and this is one way to sure as heck do it. And I, just like you, Steve, like I, I mean, I was telling telling Deshauna, my wife, sorry, uh, folks, um, I was telling my wife about. About this this new Star Trek show, and I said the only weird thing is, um, it's only going to be available on this one service, 
And she goes, well, obviously you'll subscribe to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I, yeah but, you know. But, yes. but we're on the extreme end of this kind of, yeah, you know. What about but, people but, just want right, to check it out? Like people are going to do that. But, but that interview with, with Leslie, and he said, um, he said, basically, I forget the wording. I should have looked it up before I say this. But it sure sounded like he was essentially saying, we know the Star Trek nuts are going to subscribe to this. You know, and there's enough of them that this is going to be worth it. You know, and well, yeah, that's. I mean, for yes, I agree to. There would be a dollar amount where I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do it. But it's it is way more than six bucks. Um, I, you know, longtime listeners of our, show, of our show probably remember that I do not pay for cable. I'm like adamantly opposed to it. I've always disagreed with it. It's just as a concept, paying for all these channels that you don't want, and they all have ads and blah blah blah. So I'm I'm, I'm I'm going to be 40 next month, and I've never paid for cable. Um, so I've always been opposed to it. I know that's, that's a more common thing these days, but even when I was like 20, I, I, was, I wasn't going to do it. Um, so I, but I do pay. I pay for Netflix. I pay for Hulu. Um, I even pay for like uh, the, Showtime, the Showtime add-on for Hulu, so I get the Showtime shows as well. And then we also have our Amazon uh, Prime subscription, which includes, you know, a fair amount of streaming. Um, so I'm not terribly interested in signing up for yet another service, but yes, I will do it for Star Trek. If I have a choice, what I would rather do, if they would like put it up like on iTunes, Apple TV, so that I could just pre-purchase the season, I would definitely do that. But it doesn't sound like they're even going to offer that, which is which used to be the for the only the most extreme stuff. Like, okay, well, I'm nuts for that show, uh, and I don't want to wait, you know. And that's the only way to get it. And I don't want to wait a year for it to come to Netflix or whatever. So psh, there really hasn't been anything like that in a couple of years. But for a while, I did that for a couple of shows where I would just buy them on iTunes. But it basically sounds like you're not even going to have that choice. It really does sound like the only way to watch this is going to be six bucks a month for the CBS streaming service. See, um, and that's, that's just a see, mess. I, 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 see, I don't know how well this is going. If this is a broadcast company that you can already get all their shows on. If you, if you purchase cable, you can already get all their shows on demand. So I don't really know how well this is going to work for them. We'll find out in a couple of years. Um, that's my problem with it. It's a broadcast company. That's well, and I'm I'm not, already, I'm not so. trying to um, <clears throat> uh, defend their decision or anything like that. But I will point out, as has been pointed out by many people, it seems like in the last week, Star Trek has a history of of um, unique distribution choices. Uh, so not the original series, which was you know NBC, but uh, in the late 77, 78, late 70s, Star Trek Phase 2 was going to be a new show that launched with a new Paramount network that did not end up happening because the network didn't launch then, but they ended up rolling that stuff, those ideas, and you know, as we all know, into Star Trek the Motion Picture. But fast forward into 87, Next Gen launches, uh, and it launched as a syndicated it, – it, they made that show and sold it directly into syndication, which at the time was nuts. Nobody had done that. Nobody. I think – Maybe Oprah's show was like that, and that was it. There was certainly nothing, no dramatic shows were doing that anywhere. Um, so there were definitely people at the time that said, this is crazy. Nobody's going to get it, uh, and there's no way it's going to be successful. And it, it, and it was successful, even though there were big markets that didn't even have it because nobody bought it. Um, and then you had 
eventually, you know, uh, Voyager helped launch the Paramount Network in 95. Enterprise was also on that now-dead network. Um, so Star Trek certainly has a history of launching with new distribution models. I can see how maybe 20 years from now people will look back and say, well, yeah, remember that that Star Trek show was, was the first one to kind of to try that. Within, for, from a network, uh, who knows? Maybe twenty years from now, they can look, they'll look back and say, "Yeah, that didn't work." <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I mean, it has, Sony's has, been doing it. Sony's been doing it with their channel. Their well, but Sony doesn't or, have. But no, there there are plenty of. Yeah, of, I mean, Netflix does their own. Netflix you know. does it, yeah. But these aren't places that also have uh, networks. They're not broadcast. Yeah, they're not. Right, they're that not was broadcast. So CBX does have a broadcast network, and they're not putting it on there. And that really hasn't happened. So, well, yeah. see, no, that, that well, that be, that being my point, yeah, they'll probably get a lot of sci-fi fans to subscribe. But I mean, the normal person who already gets all the CBS programming already, why would they? Yeah, you're asking those people to, to subscribe just for Star Trek. Yeah, so, I mean, it's fair to ask. I mean, I don't know, fair or not fair, but it's it's predictable to ask um, Star Trek fans to subscribe just for Star Trek. But it seems like over the years, we've always been told that those people alone are not enough to sustain a show. Mm-hmm. You so you just see what I'm see what I'm saying. So, so for the average um for the average person who already gets all the CBS programming through their cable provider, be it if they watch it live or if they watch it on demand, because I can go on demand and watch any CBS program I want right now. Um, so now maybe, that model could change in two years. I don't know. Yeah, but here's I, what I expect I, to actually happen. The average person want to subscribe to. Why do they want to spend yeah. an extra six bucks a month to get? And, yeah, I understand. Here's here's what I'm expecting to happen. Um, they launch this show on this CBS streaming network, and maybe and just and like like say HBO. I do not I do not have HBO because uh, I don't have cable, but I also do not I don't subscribe to their monthly service because I think they're they're smoking crack if they think I'm going to pay them fifteen um, more than like twice the price I pay for anybody else, and everybody else has way more than twice the content. <laughs> yeah, so I do not pay their fifteen dollars a month. I don't have HBO shows. Um, that's probably not a good example since HBO shows don't end up on Netflix even a year later. Uh, well, okay, no, there is something. Uh, HBO shows after three years end up on Amazon Prime, and I do subscribe to Amazon Prime. So I watch some HBO shows on Amazon Prime, and they're all at least three years old. You know, so there has to be some point when. So let's say maybe the first, well, what Netflix does with a lot of shows. Um, you know, we we watch Walking Dead a year behind, because basically when the net the new season, like a couple of weeks before the new season of Walking Dead premieres, uh, the previous season pops up on a Netflix. We don't have cable, so we don't have AMC, so we're always watching a year behind. But we we do watch it, right? So maybe it'll be something like that. Maybe when the second season of this new Star Trek show pops up, they'll stick it on Netflix, you know, uh, in the hopes that, as does tend to happen, uh, people then watch it that didn't have access to it before. And if it was good and they got into it, now they're willing to subscribe. Um, and I'm hopeful it's shot in 4K and maybe they'll consider releasing this on UHD Blue someday. But yeah. I was kind of wondering about that, you know, uh, coming out in January 2017, that means they're probably shooting, depending on how they do it, that means probably they're shooting like over the summer, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, right now, it's still the the vast majority of television is is just filmed in HD. Um, but maybe, maybe they could actually decide to do something in 4K. I think the problem there is going to be 
um, uh, budget. Like, uh, I don't. It, to me, it's stupid that FX costs more to render out in 4K because it's just a little bit more computer time. But they do. Mm -hmm. Everybody still charges way more for that. And obviously, this is going to be a special effects heavy show, which gets me into this. Something else I want to talk about. My biggest concern about the distribution model isn't the kind of stuff we've been talking about. It isn't so much people aren't going to see it because there are not going to be enough people subscribed. I think between the fact that they've already got people subscribed to it and it doesn't have Star Trek and now you add those people to the Star Trek people, you know, I think that that maybe is okay. My concern is more like um, with the single exception of Netflix, uh, none of these streaming services creating their own shows have done put any real money into them. Mm -hmm. Amazon's made some of their own exclusives. Um, Hulu's made some of their own exclusives, but they're all cheap shows. None of these things have been expensive shows. Maybe if you, it's kind of a stretch, but you know, sci-fi has made their own shows sort of. Kind of they haven't. They're more like distribution-y people that pick stuff up, but uh, let's just say they do. They still haven't spent very much money on most of their shows. You know, um, Not the kind of money that, in my mind, making Star Trek look good in 2016, 2017 should cost. Um, that's my biggest concern, is that putting it on uh, streaming exclusive means they're not going to give it the kind of money and attention that it needs to be good, that it needs to be what I'd love for a modern Star Trek television show to be. Well, we'll find out over the next couple of years what they're planning on doing. Yeah. I um I haven't really I've tried some of the, the television, at least one of the television shows that Kurtzman produced. Um I tried the Sleepy Hollow show and uh I remember, you know, it, it, it was interesting and all, but it was definitely not for me. I mean, it was definitely seemed like it was definitely intended for that, you know, late teens, early 20s um crowd hey more more power to him i'm not i don't mean any kind of disrespect i just mean not for me you know um so that probably isn't the best example uh i think the transformers movies have been complete crap like you know festering piles of dogs not the world's worse off having them exist which he was involved in um and then there was that really crappy sci-fi western that John Favreau did that he was in I believe he was involved in that that was awful um, was that the one with Harrison Ford yes yes he was in that yeah and your so, James Bond film oh, how's Bond by yeah there? Daniel Craig you're you're breaking up just a little bit there um, so that also doesn't leave a great deal of excitement for me about with Alex Kurtzman but you know these are these were all things that had a lot of other people involved so, um, you know, um, so we'll see. Um, I, I, I did, oh, this is a long time ago now, but I did go to like a thing I mentioned on our show, like a writer's thing with the Kurtzman and Ortsy once. And I, I find them, found them both, you know, very, you know, smart guys and, um, creative and clever and interesting. Um, so, so we'll see at the end of the day, we don't know a lot. But the, the single most important thing to me 
knowing that it's going to be new characters and it's not a remake or a reboot, that in itself is enough to just, I'm a, I choose to be very excited right now. And why not? You know, um, I'm going to give them all the latitude they need. And I'm just going to think, I think it could be great. And I'm going to be excited. Uh, so we've got a ways to go. It's over a year away, but you know, I assume maybe after the new movie comes out, I, I you know, they'll probably be hesitant to kind of step on each other's toes. But maybe by the time that you know, once maybe like August, September, we'll really start seeing stuff and hearing stuff, and maybe by then we'll even get a trailer or something. Maybe that hey, maybe we'll get like some kind of a trailer for the 50th anniversary. That would be awesome. Um. So yeah, early days, a lot of time left. But the couple things that really matter to me, I have found out, and that's enough to make me very excited. So it's kind of crazy. Our show, we've been doing our show for like, what, five years or something? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I guess, sure, it was always a question of when, not if, but I thought it was going to be a lot longer before we'd see a new Star Trek show. Um. We can talk more about this in the future. We've we've talked already in the past. We've had conversations about bringing Star Trek back and that it would hopefully be a more modern show with, like, you know, a big story arc and related episodes in, in the way that most previous Trek didn't do. And, and I fully anticipate that. I don't think you can make a TV show without that making a show like that. Um, but we'll have plenty of time to kind of discuss all that other stuff. I, I just wanted to see kind of your guys', you know, initial reactions and I uh, wanted to make sure to record mine. Because uh, I always have a lot of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's uh, very late in the Midwest as we record this for my uh, cohorts. I can tell they're out of steam and I want to let them go. So to you, our audience, I say thank you for spending all this time with us today. And uh, I hope you're as excited about um, not just future Trek, but uh, continuing our Enterprise discussions as we are. Um, we're just a couple episodes away, three, I think, from uh, finishing out the second season, halfway through the show. That's crazy. We're flying through it, folks. So um, until next time, you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at uh, Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Last but not least... I'd like to solicit ideas for our annual holiday episode in which we break from our traditional episodic review format and discuss whatever we feel like. I have a feeling that we will end up talking uh, by then. Hopefully we will all have seen the new Star Wars movie, and we will probably talk about that extensively, hopefully with some guests. Um, but if there's anything else you would like for us to talk about during that show, send us an email, truckcompanion at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Um, so thanks again. And I uh, hope your week is fruitful. Till next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you.
fun. I passed it.